Last Sunday's Gospel reading allowed us to hear our Lord's announcement that the Kingdom of God is at hand and the need for repentance and conversion. Today's Gospel reading shows us how, in mighty words and deeds, Jesus exercised his dominion and power, asserting divine authority over the ruler of this world, Satan. Having an unclean spirit is biblical language for being possessed by a demon, Satan, of course, being the prince of demons. The exorcism of the man with the unclean spirit is one of the many miracles that our Lord worked. His many miracles accompany his words and teaching, as we hear, so that his authority as the Son of God is demonstrated. The liberation of the man possessed by the evil spirit is not done to satisfy people's curiosity or desire for magic. It is done to invite belief in him as the Messiah. In this case, there seems to have been a positive response, but we know that this was not always the case. The fact that the demon knows who Jesus is, the Holy One of God, should not surprise us. Being of angelic nature, the demon has a higher intelligence than ours and so can perceive reality in a clearer way. But also, the devil and all his fallen angels know and believe that God exists. It's just that they refuse to give God obedience and devotion. We, however, are meant to give our obedience and devotion to Christ because all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. So we honour his teachings that are recorded in the Gospels, amplified in the epistles of the New Testament, made clear and expounded by the ordinary and extraordinary teaching of the popes and councils over the centuries. It is an established fact, though some dispute it, that Christ himself was not married and embraced this as an essential part of his identity and mission. He also said that there will be some who follow after him and accept celibacy and virginity for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Now St. Paul develops this in the second reading for today's Mass. He rightly points out that every one of us must give our attention to the Lord. However, those who are unmarried have a freedom that those who are married do not have, namely to give an undivided attention to the Lord. We all like to please the people we love, so it is right and proper that a married person seek first to please his wife or husband. An unmarried person <clears throat> is able to please the Lord first. 
This is not a comparison that results in one vocation being superior to the other. But each is different. In fact, each is good. In certain aspects, marriage is better than virginity. And the opposite is true also. To say something is better does not mean that the other is bad or evil. Something is excellent in comparison with something that is already good. Both marriage and virginity have a heavenly direction. The great value of Christian marriage is that it is an earthly sacrament of the eternal communion of heaven. Both celibacy and virginity are a living declaration that heaven has already arrived upon earth, though not fully. They are a sign that the kingdom of God is here. Those who are married are dedicated to the Lord through their spouse. Those who are living a life of celibacy and virginity for the Lord are dedicated directly to the Lord. Christ gave both the sacrament of marriage and consecrated virginity to the church. Priests are celibate and chaste. Their primary role is to stand in the place of Christ at the altar to offer his sacrifice again and again to the Father. To take Christ's place means that each priest must be configured closely to the great high priest who is Christ. In addition, being a spiritual father to his people requires that he does not divide his attention and time with a natural family. The women and men who live consecrated religious life in monasteries, convents and religious orders are called to foster and promote the work of the church, which is to bring people to Christ. They also provide a more focused example to their brothers and sisters in the church of what the Christian life is meant to be. They are an example for them. They are to witness to heavenly things in the midst of this life and this world. Just as we should encourage our young men and women to consider the vocation of marriage, equally so, and maybe even more so, should we place before our children and young people the vocation of priesthood and consecrated life. While parents must be concerned about many things concerning their children, their chief concern must be that they do God's will. If Christ calls your daughter or son to a vocation that involves virginity for the sake of the kingdom of heaven, he is offering them a precious gift. So support them and encourage them. Pray for them. Just as in the exorcism of the man in the synagogue at Capernaum, Christ comes to rebuke the forces of evil and chaos, not only in the world, but in our own lives. He wants to make us holy in body and spirit. The regular way that he does this is through the grace of the sacraments. In the sacred liturgy, 
and especially the Holy Sacrament of Communion, we hear his voice and with spiritual eyes see his works, as today's psalm tells us. Let us earnestly listen to him and seek him. And for those who have not yet discovered their vocation in life, keep before your eyes both marriage and consecrated virginity.